folks, it's a whole new pod coming at you live from snowy Minnesota. I'm one of your hosts, Lucas Melvy. And I'm Jacob Pellejohn, your other host. And I'm going to come clean to you guys, I don't got anything. We're seven episodes into the podcast, and I've already run out of random ways to open this up. We had two episodes with McRib, we had the holidays, we had Christmas, we had New Year's. Now I just got nothing. Straight to the point, that's what we're going to get to today. Yeah. I mean, not that we dilly-dally around too much, but we're getting to the big time. We're in 1999 of DCOMs, and I think I looked, I think there was 9 or 10 DCOMs listed in this year. For context, there has been about 3 or 4 released a year thus far, or at least mostly in 1998. But now we're into the big times. In 2000, it's 12, one every single month. So, get hyped. And this week we got a, we got another good one. We're gonna we're gonna open up a can of worms for you today. Wow, no subtlety at all. I was gonna try to say it was a little out of this world, but yeah, the the can has been opened. Then we watched Can of Worms, another 1999 decom with all sorts of aliens and fun and a familiar face or two. Yeah, so I guess. We, again, won't dilly-dally. Let's just get right into the action. And this movie starts right in the action. We get the title card just like that, immediately pops up, and we're in the midst of a giant thunder and lightning storm. Meet Mike Pillsbury. He's messing around with just his family's run-of-the-mill lawn giant satellite. We all have those, right? I Presumably it's for internet or cable or something for them. He is hooking up a, a laptop and some sort of contraption, and we find out his name very quickly because he is dictating a message to the universe saying, I do not belong on Earth. I need help. He is asking for aliens, extraterrestrials, to come and rescue him from his pale existence on Earth where he doesn't belong. And then he signs it off, Mike Pillsbury. Yeah. He hits send, and from the effects we get, which are decent for a Disney Channel movie, we see that it seems to be being sent out, the signal, out into space. But then we get a bolt of lightning that hits the satellite directly. It explodes, and we fade to black. And for the first time, I think, in a DCOM, we get a two weeks early. Two weeks early. So, as yes. people in the business would say, we started in media res, in the middle of the action, and then we dialed back. It's a little bit of one of those record scratch. I bet you're wondering how I got stuck in this okay. moment. Let me tell you. Two weeks earlier, we are in Mike's treehouse. Mike is telling a story to a couple of his friends, a familiar face. Uh, you might remember him from Under Wraps as Gilbert, but in uh, Can of Worms, he goes by Nick. And there's another uh, friend, um, younger, he seems, uh, he's a tiny, tiny young boy named Jake. And he is telling uh, Jake the uh, the story of, what were the names of the, the aliens? The Hansels. Hansels. He's telling telling uh, Jake a story of the Hansels. It, it kind of seems the story that uh, Mike is telling is, is a little little relatable. But the Hansel, there's a Hansel that wants to be adopted. and Well, it's very much like the, the story of Superman. Like the Hansel's home world is attacked. Uh, a parent sends out their child to go to a different planet. And then there they have to try to be a part of an adopted family, fit in, even though they feel deep down that they don't really belong. No. So, I'll level with you. Gilbert's name might be Nick in this movie, but I'm just calling him Gilbert, Gilbert. the whole time. We can do that. Yeah, and uh, Jake is actually Gilbert's little brother. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's the relationship. Mike, we get gather that he likes to tell these stories to Jake a lot, entertain him. This one, he even had a sort of multimedia presentation up on his... Laptop. He invented it. Yeah, it was uh, like a maybe for PowerPoint. Modern audiences, a visual novel. Yeah, it was like a PowerPoint of just slides and images progressing the story yeah. as he was telling him. And with this story, we kind of see in Mike's face as he's telling it that he does relate a lot to the plight of this Hansel, Hansel, I don't know how to say it, in a story where deep down he wants to be special and unique because he feels that he doesn't belong on Earth because yeah. he. You know, has maybe a, a delusion of grandeur, if you will. Mike's dad comes up and is yelling at him to get out of the treehouse because they got to go to the good old football game. Footy, footy, football. Throw that pigskin around. And before he leaves, Gilbert says, Man, why, do you, why are you playing this game anyways? And Mike just 
says it's something that runs in the family. It's a tradition. His dad, Papa proud. Yeah, his dad really wants him to play. And then and Gilbert throws some some shade at at uh, at Mike too, talking about how Mike's dad was probably you know pushed around by guys like. Um, who will soon be introduced, yeah. one of the primary antagonists, Scott Schreibner. Schreibner. Quite the name. And just like he is saying Mike's dad used to get shoved around, he's getting shoved around by Scott immediately at the game. Uh, and then Mike is also distracted by... The cheerleaders. Quick love interest introduction, cheerleader Caitlin, where we're greeted with already getting into the classic bits of DCOM, some weird slow-mo where only... Shots on Caitlyn are in slow motion, but everything else is still just no. regular speed. So we'll cut to Mike just being like, oh, wah, wah, wah. And then Caitlyn will just be like, oh. And then Scott's like, you'll never get that, Pillsbury. Yeah, to be words. clear, uh, Mike's last name is Pillsbury. That was not some weird uh, sexual innuendo that uh, Decon was trying to throw at out you. So during a play, Mike is in a special situation where he's able to make a miraculous interception and then he doesn't know what to do it's a very classic situation where a nerd gets a big play but then mike runs right mike runs left then mike's running backwards backwards running the wrong way mike is running the wrong way until scott catches up to him and says pillsbury you're running the wrong way yep so yeah he gets scared ends up getting tackled on the 10 yard line of his team's uh end zone so really still a decent play it's still turnover yeah at worst the other team would have gotten a safety on them so it only been two points anyways yeah. i don't know what everybody's getting so bent out of shape about mike gets tackled he's knocked out and as he's waking up he hallucinates an alien that he thinks is trying to harvest his brain yeah. and he kind of freaks out about it and in fact it's the team doctor checking to see if mike has a concussion he then clears Mike, and then they... I don't know, I doubt back in 1999, they didn't give a shit about concussions. They were checking out his eyes. <laughs> they were checking him out, they cleared him, and then they kind of like, ah, who cares, yeah. whatever, leave him. And then his parents and uh, sisters showed up, Jill, she's not really, she, she's in the the decom a little bit. Not, yeah, she's not mostly not another comedic character. She's the very classic snotty, snobby sister. Yeah. They're, they're proud of Mike for his efforts, and then they kind of just... Leave him alone as well. Yeah, his dad's like, well, you gotta, you gotta learn from this. Don't screw Look, up in the future. Listen, learn the three L's. You won't get that varsity jacket That's if you're right. running against, you know, your own team. That's right. So, yeah, end of that sequence. Later that day, or just another day, we get to see Mike. I think it was actually the next morning. Mike Hitting is in the kitchen. Mess- well, he's first messing around with his family's satellite. Oh, but then his is. mom is like, hey, lay off. I need to actually use Polka. it. Polka. She's yeah. trying to watch Polka on the television. Then we see her talking to somebody else, and she starts speaking in German. She's talking about Oktoberfest, but it's with a weird accent and a weird language. Yeah, it's one of the weird details of the movie that we gather through a few scenes that Mike's mom is some kind of video salesperson of dance instructional videos. Yeah. So she's on, I think it was implied that this was being like teleconference where she was shooting this video of people dancing polka like in Lederhosen to somebody she was trying to sell it to while talking to them on the phone. Very complicated, but just a weird detail that I appreciate that, you know, fleshes out some of the characters. So Mike lays off the satellite and then goes to sit down to have some breakfast and then gets interrupted by Jill, who, being the good, annoying little sister she is, just wants some homework help. Computer help. Yeah, specifically, specifically I need to pass this computer class. They couldn't even come up with a, a believable class name besides no. computer class. And she just lifts off, oh, what is, I don't, I can't remember what she asked. Mike mm-hmm. rattles off a ton of computery jargon, just yeah. a, a bit of a show-don't-tell situation of, we get to see that Mike really is good with computers. He really knows his computer. And then Jill says, wow, it's like you're from another planet. Hmm. Ding, ding, ding. That's the theme of the movie. Then we get a scene of Mike's dad, who's getting ready for his day of work. He's sitting down to his computer. And Trying he's all, to check the stock. He's all, oh, baby, let me see. He logs on, sees a spreadsheet of some kind, but then immediately cuts to a, a moving JPEG. Or Actually, I don't even think it was moving. It was just a JPEG of a pig. He yells for Mike. 
Mike, I just went from stocks to stockyard. What is this? <laughs> what am I doing here? And then again, we get some computer jargon, which as somebody who recently built a PC, I was trying to check out with what Mike was saying. It was actually accurate because yeah. he was saying he needed some more RAM, RAM. for his yeah. graphics card. And that was that checked out. But at the same time, it, unless he has like some interface network with all the computers in it his house. Have something like yeah. that. Yeah. It was almost there, that. but I think it was still kind of just, hey, this is the late 90s. We're just going to trick yes. people into believing yeah. what we're saying about computers. Uh, as he's fixing his dad's computer to get him back to the stocks, Mike tries to broach the subject of that he wants to quit the football team. But his dad says, uh, you can't be a quitter. And the, the key word of the day is anything. Yep. You can do anything, Mike Pillsbury. Which is a good, you know, motivational thing for a father to say, but not in the sense that you can do anything, but I really want you to do this one thing you don't want to do. Because his father was a failure, but he doesn't want his son to fail like he did. I think we're digging a bit too deep. That's maybe more like Brink. <laughs> you know, we're not to that level of dad Ugh. motivational speeches. His dad says, no quitters and no buts. So Mike is just stuck with that. Then we get a get to see at school that they're in computer class, so I guess... It is a real thing. Yeah. Uh, Gilbert and Mike are talking to each other for a bit. They're discussing Scott because... Scott Schreibner, the yeah. computer whiz. Yeah, he's just their main antagonist. He's good looking. He's got the muscles. He's a computer whiz. He's just the perfect person. Specimen. Yeah, specimen, if you will. It might come into play later. And before they get into the class getting rolling, Caitlin, the cheerleader from the football game also sits down next to Mike. Mostly, it seems, out of there being no other spaces to sit. Yeah. And then we get to see Scott make good on all of his computer wizardry by taking out a floppy... Disk. Yeah, floppy disk, putting it into the computer as some cool, almost Western dual music is playing in the right. background. Very Ennio Morricone, y'all. do 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 and we see immediately that somehow by loading this floppy disk into his computer... He's hacked Mike's computer. Yeah, Mike's computer uh, gets a message of, I have your brain, do you want it? Or something like that, calling back to when he was saying... Knocked out on the football field. Yeah, that he lost his brain or the alien was trying yeah. to harvest it. Yeah. And Mike is just freaking out, and Gilbert is like, you're not going to let him get away with it. And Mike's like, ahaha, no I'm not. Mike doesn't let him so Mike, get away with it. Activates his own trap card. This is almost like a Yu-Gi-Oh! duel of floppy disks. Enters his own disk into the computer. Which then, first step, pops up a message, an email, on the teacher's computer from the principal that is basically saying, Oh, I love you so much. Please come to my office. For some fun time. This is never addressed later in the no. movie at all. We don't get a shot of the teacher being embarrassed because the principal's like, What the I fuck? I think they hooked up. What are you doing here? So that gets the teacher out of the room, and then... Now for the showtime. As Mike says, the coup time. de grace. He presses the enter key, yeah. and then across all of the computers in the class. So again, there's just some network that they're able to hack into. The little piggy. Yeah, this time we see the pig in motion, animated, you know, as best as you could in 1999. Rolling around in some mud, we see just its butt at first. And then we get the big reveal that the face of the pig is <gasps> Scott's face. It's got your face! Yes. Says Scott's friend. Yeah, as everybody is laughing at him and is very clear to point out that, hey, Scott, if you don't understand what's going on, we're all laughing at you because it has your you face. little piggy. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not quite as devastating as I think Scott is making it out to be, but he just looks completely downtrodden. He's... And everybody is just laughing and cheering not quite cheering Mike on, but yeah. Caitlin definitely is laughing and takes some notice, too. So after school that day, Mike is in the treehouse again with Gilbert and Jake, who Jake, the little brother, is wearing a giant tinfoil hat. Yes. I guess just getting into character for the, the space stories that uh, Mike is telling him yeah. about. And then Jill, the sister of Mike, comes to the entrance of the treehouse and is... Tells him that he has a visitor and that Caitlin is there to see him and she's in his room. And we get a great bit of banter 
of Gilbert and Mike going, Yeah, right. You really think Caitlin would be in your room? Next, she's going to say that Scott Schreiner is asking you for football tips. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And then Jake, the little brother, is like, well... What if she is really up there? What if she wants to hear a story? Story, yes. So, Mike, going with the benefit of the doubt, just on the off chance that Kate is in there, scrambles out of the treehouse and is kind of a, a Benny Hill or even almost a Scooby-Doo. Buzzinga. If you will. Where... You know, you might as well just hear, like, his feet just clattering in place as he's just running, and he gets a running start to scramble up. It's a little bit of a sped-up It's goofy. Yeah, it is unlike pretty much anything else in the movie, and I hated it. And I didn't generally hate this movie, so it was a major point against it. But he gets up into his room, and lo and behold, Caitlin is in there. Checking out his, his stuff, his computer, computer And I would be tech. checking out that, too, because his room is massive. It's it's got a lot of crap in it. It's massive and, yeah, filled with computers and other technologically junky-looking stuff. Yeah. Mike Mike notices, or he, he peeks out the window um, and notices both uh, Gilbert, if you will, and his, his little brother Jake. Jake still has the uh, the little tinfoil hat <laughs> on, and they're, they got their bina- binoculars, and they're peeking through and trying to look into the room, but Mike closes the, the, the blinds. Well, the blinds were already shut. So he opens them to then see them. They're Venetian yeah. lines. And yeah. then he's like, no, go away. And it's like, they couldn't have seen anyways. I don't know. They had The only time they were able to see was when he opened the blinds. Yeah. And then Kate just gets right down to business and tells him that she's there because she wants his help. Because she's in charge of the party planning committee or whatever for the Halloween dance. Yeah. And she, she doesn't want your typical, what was it, orange... Orange crepe paper. Orange crepe paper. She wants to step it up. She wants it to be a little yes. high tech. Yes. And she just says, I just figured you were the man for the job. And Mike goes, oh, the, the man? Yeah. And then we get treated to a bit of music that is very similar to, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Just like some like building techno. Yeah. And he's, oh, I could I could be the, the man. man. And then smash cut into a montage of them doing the decoration prepping, getting all this stuff together, and it seems to be the main display piece of the... It's like a a rotating, a rotating, yeah, a rotating display, but it's just got like a bunch of, it's got like a skeleton with like a witch's hat, I think, on it. I don't know, lots of lights. It's it's very interesting, yeah. There are some actual Halloween decorations, but it's made up of strobe lights. Yeah projectors, movie projectors, old school ones that you would see in a classroom, as well as, this is something that only 90s kids might remember, uh, where I think they were just called like transparencies, or that's the machine that would be used to project those, where if you remember, teachers would have like a transparent piece of plastic that you could write write on, on. but don't write on the projector screen, because then that would screw it all up. I can't remember exactly what those were called, but those, there's a bunch of those thrown on there. Okay. Then we see them wrapping up the decorations, and we get a bit of awkward dialogue, because it wouldn't be a decom without some romance, so they're getting in there even quicker than Xenon, we're getting quick into the romance. And it's it's pretty cringe-inducing. Part of it is, Caitlin asks Mike, oh, I've heard you're pretty good at telling stories, how about you tell me one? Mm. And Mike's, oh, yeah, okay. But immediately, they're interrupted by good old Scott Schreibner, who comes in and invites Kate out for, it seems like some people from the football team or the cheerleaders are going for a group dinner. But Mike is having none of it. He is, good old Scott says, you know, who invited him kind of thing. And Mike's like, well, I who not say I want to go with you anyway, Scott Schreibner. And he just starts digging into it. Yeah, him he freaked out where he's like, yeah, go ahead. Spazzy. Go ahead and eat a burger. Clog up your arteries, you fat lard. You're going to go from halfback to fullback. And he's like, Jesus. Pull up there, man. You went from zero to 60 pretty a little, quick. A little aggressive. And, and Caitlin, you know, says, you know, you know, it's okay. You guys go on, tell everybody I said hi kind of thing. And they trot off. And, and um, Caitlin says to, you know, Mike, Scott Shriven really gets under your skin kind of thing. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And, and then right after, you know, Caitlin had just told Scott that she wasn't um, hungry, uh, both Mike and Caitlin make plans to go out to eat. Mm-hmm. So they're both, wow, 
I'm surprised to say that I'm hungry too. <laughs> Whoa, okay. So yeah, they go out to eat and part of the display, presumably, that is left behind is a laptop of yep. Mike's that says, I think it has a sticker saying like, Warning. Yeah, something like that. Something. Do not enter. Yeah. Some classic edgy teen thing. Yeah. So they leave the laptop behind and shortly after Scott and his friend sneak in and start messing with it because sabotage scott is a computer whiz after all he's the perfect person so back at home it's the night of the dance mike is preparing his costume which just seems to be it's mostly a tuxedo but it doubles as him being a magician magician and part of the costume the real only cool part is his cummerbund which he is preparing by soldering together some wires lit yeah, to Bam. make some lights go off in the cummerbund. Then at the dance, Mike meets up with Caitlin, who is dressed up as a fairy. And they just introduce the, the dance. He has some really long, nerdy name for his production company. He says that is brought to you by, like, intergalactic starfleet of, like, Mike. Some nerdy crowd. Something of that caliber. Thanks, Caitlin. And then he does this little magic trick and makes a bouquet of flowers appear out of nowhere. Yeah, and they couldn't even do it in a believable way other than they just cut to a different yeah. shot of his arm outstretched and then the flowers appeared in it. Yeah. And, yeah, they get things rolling and they hit the, the go key and the display starts rotating all the lights going off. And then there's yeah. also some dummies that are attached on strings or something that are flying around. It's, it's a pretty cool setup. The music, I love the music. I love Gilbert's little jig. I was trying to Shazam the song because I want to get that on my my Spotify, you know, where you can listen to yeah. us, you know, the podcast song. It was some good um, jazzier, groovy kind fun. of late 90s R&B type stuff. Going to try to find the soundtrack for sure. But my question was how the, the dummies are really controlled by the computer because it just seems that they're on a string so and if they fall, swinging. they should just keep falling yeah, back and forth. You'd think. But as we see soon, they are indeed controlled by the computer because Scott, who is lying in wait with his friend. Scott's, I think, dressed up as a skeleton, maybe, and his buddy is like a ninja. I uh, skeleton in the classic way of the evil kid in the karate kid who dresses up as a skeleton and then beats up the karate kid. Yeah. So to execute his own way of beating up Mike, Scott executes his plan, and all of a sudden, everything starts going crazy. Yeah. Things start spinning backwards. The music starts playing backwards. The dummies start hitting people, which I don't know how Taking they... Taking them out hard. I don't know how they weren't hitting people before, but uh, as the thing is spinning backwards, it starts speeding up. The music is playing backwards creepily. It starts to smoke. Yep, and then the whole thing just cart- catches on fire. Uh, a teacher then comes out, Starts, and, and was it the same same teacher from the classroom? Of course it was. There's yeah. only one teacher that That's works right. at this school. That's right. Same teacher from the classroom. She's, you know, using a fire extinguisher to put out the blaze. And, and Mike jumps in front of it. No! And he gets, you know, covered with the whatever. The, yeah, he gets covered with the, the chemical mixture to yeah. put out the fire. Mike gets embarrassed. Everybody's laughing at him. And he just runs away. Runs away. So at this point... You might have forgotten that this is a movie that ostensibly is supposed to be about aliens. Because this is about a half hour into the movie, and it kind of just morphed no, into no a, aliens, yeah. a John Hughes coming-of-age movie, almost. But then we get treated to the sequence from the beginning of the movie, and it's in complete entirety. Not edited yeah. down, it's like the full... Same scene. Full, two like, weeks, three minutes or whatever. Later. Yeah, so well. he's entering in his message... He shoots it out to the universe. The lightning comes down, blows up the satellite. I think this time we actually get to see him dive away like a good action movie star. A great explosion. One of the best I've seen. Probably yeah. the, the best I've seen in a decom. They Maybe didn't the skimp on it. That was good. So then we just cut to the next morning. We see the remaining kind of smoldering wreckage of the satellite dish. And at the breakfast table, Mike's... Mike is depressed. Mike is <laughs> depressed. He's got the blues, and his parents are trying to give him a pep talk to get him ready to go to school. Jill's asking for more homework questions. The mother's saying, no, stop it now, Lon. And then Mike, Mike, you know, kind of utters, I've lost my will to solve. Yeah, he's too sad even to do math. Oh, the horror for a nerd to not even want to do math. So at school, it's very over-the-top teen bullying Everybody is pointing and laughing at him as he's walking down the hall. He goes up to Caitlin, and Caitlin just looks at him and goes, Um, what? And then he just is 
Trestfallen, or Crestfallen, Trestfallen, that's not a thing. Crestfallen, and he walks away. And and she, it looked like she wanted to, she felt bad for a second then, and then wanted to say something, but she didn't. I don't know, it really just seemed like she was giving him the cold shoulder completely. Uh, so it, it seems that Mike actually just leaves school entirely and goes to sulk in his treehouse. Yeah. And he's laying with his eyes shut on the floor. And then a light appears, and he outside, wakes up. Outside, outside, yep, outside of the, the treehouse. It's our first alien contact. Yep. And we see kind of a, a doghouse materialize out, and a dog pops out. Normal-looking dog. Just a little, you know, different kind of chain around its Yeah, neck. it has somewhat of a peculiar-looking collar. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, the collar actually has a set of prosthetic lips. Lips. That start moving and talking. And we get greeted with the voice of Malcolm McDowell, who is definitely the biggest name, I think, that's been in a DCOM so yeah. far. But all they needed was him in a sound booth to Perfect. give his lines. So yeah, he's a he's a dog. I think his species he is implied to be called like Puppus. Or a, I think the planet is Puppus. Puppus. And they're called Puppians or something like yeah. that. And yeah, he's he introduces himself as Barnabas. Says that Mike has opened up the Stargate. Yep, he's opened up the Stargate and he's come to take Mike home to his planet because that's what Mike was asking for. He needed to be rescued. Yeah. And the Stargate, as we mentioned earlier, was in the shape of a doghouse. We'll soon see that. Couple others. All of the aliens that we see have some kind of specialized Stargate, which yeah. is just another cool attention to detail we get in Can of Worms. Mike is understandably pretty freaked out and tries to run away. And we also learn then that Barnabas has the ability to teleport, and he catches up to him. And then warns him, whether he wants to come with him or not, that other aliens are going to be coming to visit him. Because Mike has made contact. He's destroyed the... Uh, Earth used to be protected um, under some clause of it being... Yeah, some intergalactic law that it was deemed too primitive where they yeah. weren't technologically advanced. But now that he's gotten first contact out there with People the universe... coming. Aliens will be coming. And they won't all have his best interest in mind, oh. like Barnabas. From puppets. So Mike goes inside, tries to de-stress, makes himself a meal, and goes to eat it in his room when we get the appearance of another alien who is first... With the first detail we get that they're there is slime that's just... Mike, Mike is eating a burger, some corn, and some Doritos, and yes, uh, Mike goes to grab his burger when he, he realizes there's, it's sticky, and, and we've been seeing some green slime dropping yeah, from like a, like a pipe. Let's, let's appear it above Mike's head on the ceiling in his room. Some straight-up Nickelodeon gag. Yes. And this alien is slimy, gelatinous. He's got two big eyes and a mouth. He's just generally gross-looking, yes. a bit of body horror. And he introduces himself that he is a lawyer and that he is trying to get Mike to let him handle his case. Yeah. The case is... The bone. Yeah, it, it, we try to pick up on what his exact name was, and it, yeah, it sounds like he identified himself as a bone or the bone, whether that's his species or not. Yeah. While he's talking to Mike, trying to discuss what this case is, Mike gets a call from Caitlin, who is trying to make up with him. Yeah. And we get a, a comedic moment where, I think this happens in other movies, where somebody's on the phone, and the person they're talking to doesn't realize that all this crazy stuff's yeah. happening around yeah. them. So, as Mike is talking to Caitlin, this gross, slimy alien... Eating the eating the, the burger and, like, belching really, really nasty. Yeah, he, he maybe starts... Maybe farting. Yeah, too. he has, like, a chemical reaction that, yeah, causes all of this gas to come out. And so, that causes Michael... Michael, I told him... <laughs> that, was, that was a weird slip there. Michael! Uh, Mike just starts going, oh, that's disgusting. Gross. And Caitlin's, you know, like, what, what, what's up? You know, what's happening? And oh, he, that's so nauseating. Mike is trying to explain that the bathrooms are backed up or clogged up yeah, or something. Yeah, it was, it was definitely and a And she's like, ew, but it just keeps happening. And then he starts eating the corn, and that starts popping out of his butt. He's making popcorn. Yeah, so he eats the corn on the cob, yeah. and he gets it all slimy. And at this point... There was something that registered in my memory that I felt like I had seen this scene maybe, before. Maybe and know. I had, as far as I know, not really seen any Disney Channel original movies. Didn't have the channel growing up. Yeah. But I don't know if I saw this at a my... A trailer, maybe like a... Yeah, a commercial or something that I saw. This best just, of... Just this scene at my grandma's house and then probably turned it off because I was horrified <laughs> by what I was seeing. It was pretty gross. But yeah, it was really gross. 
the call with Caitlin ends because Mike is just acting super like spazzy and weird. So then Mike gets to talk some more with the lawyer alien, and Mike gets mad at him because he ruined his call. And then the lawyer gets to explain that the case he wants to represent Mike in is against the government of Earth. Because since Mike was able to send out this first contact, yeah. it shows that he's a superior being, so for him to be under the control of a government that is not worthy to be controlling him, then he has a big case. So they're going to sue the whole planet of Earth. Uh-huh. Mike says, no, that's crazy, please go away. And then the alien just gets sucked back up into yeah. his stargate that's in the shape of a pipe. And then shortly after, Gilbert shows up into his room, and then Gilbert's, you know, what did he say, who barfed? I think he said, who barfed? Yeah. And he, um, he picked up on the smell. Mike was trying to show him, I think, like a notebook or something that the bone had, like, vomited all over. Or, or just, like, sat died. on it. Yeah, something. It was, all, it was all just really gross. Um, naturally, Nick, Gilbert doesn't believe uh, Mike's alien story. So Mike, after getting laughed at and not believed by Gilbert, makes his way over to Kate's to try to, again, make up with her because that phone call went so poorly. She sees him as she's outside seeing some friends off and just turns and walks away. Uh, So Mike sees that Caitlin doesn't want anything to do with him, so he's turning around, and then he's greeted by Barnabas. Barnabas is trying to talk to Mike. Mike keeps walking away. Barnabas keeps teleporting up to him. Mike tells him that he is tired of seeing all these aliens. Let's mention about the bone, the lawyer alien. And then Barnabas, this is where he says, Oh no, this is terrible. You've really opened up a can of worms. Ding, 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 ding. We have a title. And he's opened up this can of worms again by making the contact out in the universe. Earth is no longer protected. Yep, it's no longer considered primitive, so he's just going to become inundated with all these aliens coming to talk to him. So again, uh, Barnabas is telling him to come with him, he'll rescue him, take him to his home planet. And at this point, Mike says, okay, sure, that might be okay. Which is kind of crazy that he's just ready to throw all of Earth yeah. He's done under the bus. Boy. He's he's done. Everybody hates him. Everybody's mad at him. Thinks he's the worst. Everybody hates me. I'll just go eat worms. Yeah. That should have all that's the that's the sequel. <laughs> yeah. Uh but before he goes with Barnabas, he says he needs to at least give another try with Kate. Make right with Kate. Right? Yeah. So Mike goes outside of Kate's house and is yelling at her, gets her to open the window. And eventually convinces her to come down and talk to him so that he can, again, try to get a second chance. With but, on um, well, while Kate's, you know, Caitlin's walking down to open up the door, um, this this other alien is, you, you can set, kind of see these, like, these eyes, these uh, antennae, I don't know, kind of like mm-hmm. popping up the bottom of the screen behind Mike. And he turns around and looks, they're not there, does it a few more times, and the alien's kind of hiding. Mike, you know, goes to knock or ring on the door. Um, when Caitlin opens up the door, boom, uh, Mike's been like hit with like a paralysis kind of thing, knocks down to the, the the porch. Yeah, and this alien is just some another gross thing. It's basically a bulbous mass with a giant mouth and two eye stalks that you could see again while he was sneaking up on Mike. And then two feet that have socks and shoes on Loafers. them that just look like normal human dress shoes. Yeah. And... The implication is that somehow he's able to dress his feet when he has no hands. But he does, again, have some kind of alien magic powers that allows him to Stop freeze people. And, and then he also teleports teleport. Mike away. And they teleport all the way just across the street <laughs> from Caitlin's house. Not super uh, undercover. And the alien is an agent who no. is trying to represent Mike. He wants to get control of Mike's story so that they can spin it off into a big intergalactic show that should be super successful. Yeah. The alien just keeps going on and on and on in classic agent fashion. Just, Jumps on Mike's chest and... Uh, yeah, just rattling stuff off. Eventually, Mike grabs his eye stalks. Shakes them around. Which really hurt, I guess. Yeah. And then forces the agent to leave, says, and no, his, I want nothing to do with you. In, in his own Stargate, which is a, a TV screen, which, cool, I guess the the universe just all has a bunch of normal human-looking TVs. Yeah. So when the TV alien um, disappears, Caitlin across the street is um, unfrozen, and Mike is no longer paralyzed. 
Uh, Mike's behind like a shrub or something. He peeks up and, uh, you know, he's yelling for Caitlin. She's looking, you know, she might have heard something. There's a bus that goes by. She doesn't see him. Um, she turns around to close the door. The bus passes. And Mike is, you know, rushing towards the door, still yelling her name. She doesn't hear him. No, it, it's it's hilarious that the literally the only thing that could have blocked Mike for the entire period would be a school bus. And a school bus passes by. Yeah. So the way the house was situated, she could have actually kind of seen over a normal car, but it had to be a bus, and it had to be long enough. They're thinking, and can of worms, I tell you. So yeah, I found that pretty funny. Caitlin leaves him behind, or just gives up on him. So then that night at dinner... Mike, again, is just completely crushed yeah. and then starts asking his parents, am I adopted? Could I have been switched at birth? Am I an alien? And Jill is kind of like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jill is yeah. really terrible. She says, yeah, you came from outer space. They took you to see a plastic surgeon immediately and they cut off your antenna. Yes, And impressive. his parents are just constantly like, Jill, Jill. Shut up. Please, Jill, please, please. <laughs> Show some empathy. Uh, and Mike's parents are very nice. They even add, even if you were adopted, we'd still love you even yeah. more. So that's that's a good message. They were feeding into his idea, but then the mother's like, no, 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 you know, kind of thing. You know, we have your birth certificate. Um, Papa. Papa was like, yep, you know, you're you're Papa? <laughs> talking about the Bernstein Bears <laughs> or something? Daddy was, yep, yep, okay, you're, you're a human. I, we just got a little insight into... Uh, <laughs> Jacob's own home life with his parents when he talks Papa? And his Papa? dad says, I love it when you call him Big Papa. <laughs> so, uh, the next day, Gilbert in- comes to try to cheer up Mike. They go into the treehouse, because that's the cool hangout. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like, half a dozen aliens all appear. These are all, like, the sleazy aliens. The, so we get okay, yeah, the, the yeah. lawyer, the agent. We get a new alien that probably has my favorite design where it reminds me somewhat of the mayor in Nightmare Before Christmas, where he could switch his head around okay. to have two different faces. Yep. But this guy had a face on the top of his head and the bottom of his head. The bottom really didn't do much, but it looked cool. Yeah, by turning them, it would change either from a smile to a frown. Okay. We see a bit of a frown cool. later on, but kind of underplayed. This alien's shtick was he was trying to get Mike to hawk a product, become Marketing. A, the yeah. first franchisee or whatever. I don't remember the name. I think it was called the Germanica. That sounds right. Some crazy alien technology that he wanted Mike to be a spokesperson for. Like chopped up things, I think. Or... Yeah, he was basically, you know, somebody from QBC, uh, a Billy Mays yeah. or the Slap Chop guy. But then, last but not least... Jacob's favorite. I don't know. Oh, I, I, I looked... I, her name might have been Luna... I think I, I looked, I, when I looked it up, it might have been Luna or something, but it's voice. Oh, he 100% knows what her name is, I, and he's looking up. I sense. I, I looked it up, because Lucas, Lucas knew the name. I didn't know the name of the voice actress, but uh, Tara Strong, who does, like, a lot of other, um, you might not know her name, but you'll, you know, you'll recognize her as, you know, Kimmy Turner, um, one of the Powerpuff Girls. She does a few other notable I believe voices. she was the first Harley Quinn, so she's a pretty prolific and well-regarded voice actress. But... And she is there to go on a date with Mikey. Um, she talks in a very... I, I don't know. Well, was, we can get into it where the, the alien that she is is basically just a floating a head. Fish, like a yeah. fish. She's, yeah. she's a fish looking. She's got... Uh, she's all Big pink. lips. That's what Jacob was <laughs> focusing on. She's got big lips. And yeah, she is meant to be, I guess, you know... Sexy, because she's asking him on a date. Yeah, Mikey, we can cruise the galaxies, and we can do this, and we can do that. A lot of... Well, I have a line written down here that is not subtle in the least. She says, coming with me would be a big blast. So somebody at Disney knew 100% what they were doing. (laughs) Oh, my. This is the equivalent of the Robin Hood Disney movie that had the animals in it that basically turned a generation of kids into furries. Yes. Can of worms opened up a can of worms for some kids in their life where this set them down on a dark path. (laughs) But Mike and Gilbert are just, like us, they were just taken aback by all of this happening in front of them. They end up just leaving these aliens because they're all talking all at once. And he just, they're like, fine, whatever, we'll leave you guys there. They leave the treehouse, and we can still hear them talking behind them. Inside the house, Mike starts packing up some bags, because he's going to leave. He's going to see whichever alien has the best deal, and he's going to go with that one. And then, as they're about to go back outside, Caitlin stops by the door, and Gilbert lets her in. Mike just doesn't want to have to deal with her anymore. He says, 
you made me feel like I might have actually belonged on Earth for once, but now I know I truly don't, so I'm going to go with these aliens. Caitlin doesn't believe him about the aliens, but then quickly gets convinced because then they go out and see the aliens in the treehouse. The aliens are all kind of sticking their heads out, trying to get him to come, but then they get scared off because a new alien is coming. The Thode. The Thode. So they're all scared. They all go into their own portals to get out of there, and then Barnabas comes up, to then get a bit of an exposition dump on us to explain what the Thode is. And the Thode is sort of a collector alien yeah. that is coming. He comes to, I guess, planets that are considered no longer primitive, gets a perfect specimen from the place, and then takes it back with him. So, kind of scary dude. Mike and company hear this. They're about to run off. When out of nowhere... Jake just pops out, and he he's like, wow, glowing treehouse, fun. Gilbert, yeah, Gilbert's little brother comes, wow, Mike, this is really awesome. This is really something. They're all, no, Jake, no. He climbs into the... Up the ladder, and boom, the, whip! Yeah, yeah into the treehouse, and gets snatched right up by... A toad's uh, tongue. Yeah, but giant tongue. Giant tongue. Frog... Frog-like. Yeah, and we see, get a bit of a hint, because we see the Stargate of the Thoad just closing up, and it looks kind of just like a giant Frog toad head, or head, toad head yeah. that has a big mouth. Yeah. Barnabas calms everybody down, saying that we can get Jake back, because the Thoad wants a perfect specimen. He doesn't want some just random little kid, so he's going to be coming back soon. We, we might have mentioned the perfect specimen a little earlier in the podcast, you might remember. Yes, yeah, so they quickly formulate a plan, because they need somebody perfect, and that's our boy Scott Shrivener. So to get Scott, um, we, we kind of cut to a scene where somebody's creeping around with, I think, like, they had, like, some kind of weird alien gloves on. It was, yeah, it was something else. We just see Scott sleeping, and then all of a sudden, somebody comes up, covers his mouth with, like, a monster hand. Scott wakes up. It's Gilbert. Yeah, it's just Gilbert. And then he's basically, he seems pretty chill about it. He yeah. says, what are you doing here? <laughs> and then he explains, oh, uh, I came to get you because Mike's calling you out. And he wants to, like, confront you. Just the middle of the night, I've broken into your house. No biggie. And Scott's like, oh, fucking Mike. <laughs> he thinks he could call out me. So uh. he's taken on the bait. They get him to Mike's backyard by the treehouse. Mike is telling him that the plan is for him to be the bait. For first, the... first Scott comes across uh, Barnabas, who is speaking oh, sure. with, with the lips, and um, Scott's like, "This has to be you, you know, Pillsbury." Uh, but then Scott, or yeah, then Mike and Caitlin, you know, kind of come running up, kind of thing, and like, "This is this is Barnabas," and then he Barnabas say, continues to Scott. Talk. Aliens are real. <laughs> yeah, and there's one that we want have come get you who's this cool guy named the thode yeah so scott obviously does not want to be the bait but he, he gets quickly scared off definitely. mike tries to play to his ego says oh you're you're a hero or we're on the same side the same planet we're on the football team and he's like yeah, yeah okay whatever you suck but what finally gets scott to go over is that mike dares him dares he goes to the planet on a dare Double dog, over the barrel, up the tree, whatever, he dares them. And then Scott's convinced, and then he asks, what does he have to do? And Mike, Just be yourself. Which is, he's perfect. Perfect. He's what the Thode wants. He's got the muscles. He's got the looks. He's got the football strategy. Floppy disc, yeah, the floppy disc. And yeah, skills. he's got the floppy disc. He's slinging those, making Oof. everybody go, ooh, Scott. Oof. He likes it when you call him Big Papa. Oh. So Scott goes into the treehouse, basically gets immediately snatched up by the Thode, and then before the Stargate closes, the rest jump through. Mike, Barnabas, um, yeah. Caitlin, Gilbert. Yeah. So on the other side, Mike and crew, they find themselves in really just a pretty poorly constructed jungle set. Uh, Barnabas... Not no, yeah, it, it, it was it was weird. It was really dark and really, I don't know, it could have been more upkept, I think. It could have been, you know, just a, a scene from Legends of the Hidden Temple or something. Yeah, it was, but Barnabas is quick, you know, to introduce the area as um, the Thode's Zoo, uh, but in, in human terms, you might call it a prison. Dun-dun-dun! So, we also get, there are some neat details, like there appears to be a T-Rex skull. Yeah. 
in the Thodes area. So the implication is that it's a fossilized skeleton, but not from Earth. Some other planet has something that looks exactly like a T-Rex. Yeah. It was like a fun little detail, that, but for the real can-of-worm lore heads like me, I, I'm going to call that a plot hole. Then we see Scott, who wakes up in what appears to just be Mike's backyard. It's the daytime. He finds Jake and is just saying, hey, I thought I was supposed to get abducted. I'm still here. And then Jake points points to behind Scott, and Scott turns, and he's he's stricken with fear as he notices kind of like a, a little a wall, a cement wall with a little window. Scott approaches said window, and he's tapping on the window, and he, he realizes that he's he's stuck. Yeah, the Thode has constructed a perfect recreation of Mike's backyard, which later on Scott is talking to Jake again and says, this is my worst nightmare, being stuck in Pillsbury's backyard for eternity, which is, a uh, you know, you can be scared of what you want, have your own nightmares, but that seems extremely specific and highly unlikely to have happened. Oh, wow. Back to Mike and the gang, they're all exploring, trying to find... Jake and Scott, they, they come across this set of big red crystals. What Barnabas explains is the master control system, which is all these different crystals, okay. that would allow all the cages to be unlocked, but they need the Thode's key to be able to do that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So then they start looking through some of the displays. They find, a, yeah, not the most original or cool design of an alien. It was basically just a floating molten rock ball Fireball. of some kind. But then, uh, in a different display that they find, they see what appears to be a Hansel from one of Mike's stories that he tells no. Jake at the beginning of the movie that looks exactly like the pictures that Mike had on his no. computer, creepy. too. It's, 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 a, it's a creepy... It's, he's got mittens for hands. He I looks like he's... I would describe as a creepier Teletubby. And the yeah. Teletubbies are already kind of creepy. He's, he's weird. He, he doesn't talk. He never makes any noise kind of thing. Just kind of like a telepathy kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. but the implication then is that Mike's story was 100% Real. true. But it is never brought up like how he knew that this Mike's or whatever. Alien. Yeah, that could Mike have been a Hansel that came to Earth? None of that is brought up here and then completely dropped. We, we see the Hansel one other time, but that is it. So you can that chalk it. that up along with the, the teacher who never... We never saw the fallout of her with the principal. Yeah. We don't we never, know. We need our closure. We don't know how freaking Mike knows how the Hansels Not actually real. exist. Is this whole thing a dream? So they eventually find Jake and Scott in their uh, container. They're trying to get them, talk to them, hear them, but it's soundproof and they aren't looking their way. Nope. And then the Thode finds them, who really just looks like a normal human. human. Got a creepy of, human. Yeah, he's got some weird tics, almost Hannibal Lecter-like, where, because he is frog-like, he's doing weird stuff with his, his tongue. Mouth, yeah. So the Eyes. Thode explains to them that really Jake and Scott are going to be fine. They'll live pampered lives. They'll live old, you know, longer than humans because would. Because Earth is so dangerous. And yeah. Mike tells them basically to fuck off. You, what gives you the right to do this? Yes. And the Thode says it's because of Mike that he has the right. He was the one who opened this portal. Opened the can of worms. Yep. And that now he's going to add them to the, his collection. So they run away as he's sticking out his big tongue at them. And then the massive. Thode... Mass... Uh, massive. <laughs> boy, boy. You just really got me... Massive. The massive Thode. Uh, he transforms into a giant frog... Uh, humanoid combo. He's big. He's he's a big a big frog, a massive toad, if he, you will. He's a massive thick boy. <laughs> uh, we don't really need to go into too much details. They're running away through various means. They end up trapping the toad in a cage that just happens Falls to, from the ceiling. It's happy. It's held up by a rope, rope. and it's just hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. Convenient. Yeah, but you know we're getting things moved along. As far as decoms go, where. They're introducing just a conflict towards the end. This one felt more organic because they introduced the idea that all these aliens are going to be coming to see yeah. Mike, and some of them might not be as nice as others. So this one, you know, felt like a cool, actual, organic conflict to come up. Yeah. While he's trapped in the cage, they grab the Thode's key, which was just this crystal hanging around his neck. Yeah. They go, and they're trying to... First, Mike wants to unlock the Hansel's cage. He... 
was fine to let Jake and Scott wait because he obviously has some connection. connection he, to he is also kind of freaked out that the Hansels seem to exist, but he can't figure out how to unlock the cage. But then it seems like him and the Hansel share a moment. Yeah, the Hansel has some kind of mind meld where he just telepathically seems to communicate. Tells Mike that he's got to do a series of swipes up and down to unlock. Yeah, like a it's, modern day phone. Yeah, it's the equivalent of an Android type phone where you just draw your little design, but it's in the air with this crystal, yeah. and it just seems completely arbitrary. Opens up this giant, like the door itself doesn't open. It's just kind of like the cement and stuff around it. It's kind of an awkward yeah, way to open up. Poorly that. constructed, and actually only allows for about like a foot or two, it's or like a foot and a half of like slip through. yeah of clearance. So the yeah, Hansel, who's a little little plump. Has to sneak around it. Yeah. And then he does some kind of like peace sign or yeah. blessing sign to Mike and then just runs away. Yeah. And we never see it again. No. <laughs> we don't We don't get, you know, a, a vision that Mike has as he's sleeping of the Hansel yeah. or anything. Nothing. That's all we get of the Hansel. That's all, folks. So they start. run back to Scott and Jake's cage or enclosure. He does the swipe thing. They get out. Then they're like, well, now that we've got them, how do we actually get back home? Barnabas tells them that they have to escape back through the Thodes Stargate. The one that they got there in, yes. So they're making their way back the way they came. The Thode has now gotten out of his cage. So to distract him while they make their escape, Mike goes to the Master Control crystal panel, does his own swipe thing there. Opens up all of the cages, presumably. We hear a bunch of noise happening. We don't see the other um, aliens, unfortunately. No, but... it could have been a really cool end of the Cabin in the Woods yes. type situation. Yeah. But we just have to leave it up to our own imagination. Imagination. Which sometimes is better than actually seeing a uh, bad representation from a decom. Yes. Uh, so they make their way back out through the Stargate into Mike's backyard. But the Stargate is not closing, and Barnabas and Mike realize it's because that means the Thode is it's coming in their way. Traveling, yes. So Barnabas decides to finally call the Galactic Police. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, 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 beep. It comes out from his collar that has the exact same dial tones and noises that a regular phone would have. And wouldn't you know it, the line is busy. Because it's a dangerous galaxy. After all. Well, then the Thode arrives, he jumps out. Grabs Mike with his tongue after Mike makes some lame remark about how they eat frog legs. On this legs. planet, we eat frog legs. Yep. And he's pissed. So he has him with his tongue, is dragging him back into his Stargate. Everybody's holding him. Barnabas starts barking. Barking breaks out of his talking character and... So primitive. Uh, they're trying to resist, but he's slowly being dragged in. And then, oh, yay, I guess the Galactic Police got the message and it didn't take them that long to come. But only a single one, officer arrives. One officer appears in his own police door marked yeah. Stargate. So he um, points his blaster or whatever at the Thode. I've got hundreds of arrests on you, buddy. Yeah. Just him by himself. The Thode immediately surrenders. I guess that must be a hell of a laser, laser blaster gun. or something. Yes. Puts up no fight and then he gets kind of carted away. Handcuffed. Yep. And then as he's being kind of put back into the Stargate, the lawyer alien arrives to start advising him, asking him, did he read you your rights? Did he hurt you? Did he not hurt you enough? Ha, huh? tell me, tell me, tell me. So, one so last... Is he not rough enough? Yeah, one last cool, fun moment with everybody's favorite alien, obviously. Yeah. The gross food monster. Ew. So the gang uh, ends up, they debrief the officer, because he's basically, what the fuck is going on here? Kind of like the end of the Goonies or something. And then we just end up cutting to the next day where they're at another good old football game. Mike is sitting on the bench because that's probably where he belongs. Yeah. Barnabas comes up and starts telling Mike that basically everything's fine. Everything's taken care of. Mike asks about the Hansel and Barnabas says that he is safe and he is grateful. And that all the other um, aliens that were trapped in the zoo slash prison were sent back to their home planets and everything is... Okay. Yep. And Earth is once again classified as a primitive planet, so yep. no more aliens should be bothering them. Yep. But Barnabas still leaves the invitation open for Mike if he wants to come back to planet Puppus or whatever Puppus. to live with Mike. But Mike says, no, I'm 
Sorry. I think I finally realized I do belong on Earth. So Mike has grown. The theme has come full, full circle. Yeah. His arc is finished. He knows that this is where he's supposed to be. And he belongs. He's, he's not an alien even as much as... He, Some parts of this movie hint that he might actually be an I, alien. I think he is. We never got the closure. We never got the closure. We didn't get it. It would have been. What if it was like the end of the thriller music video where he just like blinks and then all of a sudden he has alien oh, eyes? Oh man, that would have been pretty crazy. They could have did some more to it for sure. Barnabas, as a parting gift, lets Mike scratch his ears because up to this point, Barnabas might look like a dog, but he hasn't acted like a no, dog. No, not at all. Just, he hadn't just the barks. Yeah, he hadn't barked. Well, that was the first time he had ever barked, and he said it was. Well, sometimes it's okay to do primitive stuff yeah. to help a friend. But this was the first contact he had with a so-called primitive race. And you know what? He kind of enjoyed getting his ears scratched. That's right. So he said, eh, I'm going to tell people back home about this kind of thing. <laughs> getting, a, getting a little freaky back on Planet Puppets. Oh, my. Mike gets called into the game. He's finally going to play. Scott comes up to him, and he tells Scott that I'm going to try to fit in on the team. Scott seems cool with them. He helps them get up after a tackle. They seem all buddy-buddy. Caitlin is on the sideline. Caitlin with the cheerleaders. Mike, Mike, he's our man. If he can't do it, no one can. Yeah, I could understand Caitlin cheering him on, but I don't know if she'd get all of the cheerleaders on the side of Mike. I think he just ran for a first down, and they were excited. Parents are there cheering him on. Everybody's happy. And you know what? We're happy, too, as that's the end of the movie, and... It was a good end of the movie was, and a good movie overall. It was a good movie. Good closure. Like I said, you know, who knows? Mike might still be an alien. We might get a, a can of worms, too, you know, in a few years here. Mike. Yeah, I don't think there is a sequel. I don't think Can <laughs> no. of Worms was as it, well it regarded. It was a book. It, it, it came from a book. Yeah, we learned that Xenon and Can of Worms were both books, which yeah. might explain why they seem to have better constructed plots than some of these other yeah. DCOMs, but... Yeah, overall, uh, actually decent effects. A lot of the... A lot of, yeah, a lot of decent effects. A lot of the aliens were animatronic types of some kind or puppets or something, so those were cool. Halloween Town had its had its Benny, and uh, Xenon had its, you know, starship, you know, outside looking. But everything in here, everything in here kicked the shit out of all of the was. effects that had come thus far. I, I think it's because of that Halloween Town money they got. They were able to upgrade. Yeah, the big they, box office sales of Halloween yeah. Town. But, yeah, as I said before, there's, I thought, good premise, good plot structure. The introduction of the conflict felt organic. It didn't feel forced on. The The love story might be a little cringe-inducing at times. But Definitely a lot of cringe moments. Again, wasn't forced on, like, something in Halloween no. Town or under wraps. And good message and theme of learning to belong where you are, making the best of a situation, and loving those around you, like your friends and family. Yeah. So, again, maybe not updating the exact ranking, but I don't know. Can of Worms, coming out of left field, did not expect it to be such a good film. And for me, I don't can't speak for everybody, but I might like it more than Xenon, just as the sort of the, the creativity that comes with some of those aliens. While they are definitely gross and did awaken some scarred thing deep in my subconscious and maybe seen this movie before. It was not unwelcome, though. All right, so with that, sign, seal, delivered. That was Can of Worms. And now we just get to the, the boring stuff, where we just talk about how you can gush about Can of Worms, too. Because when you come with a whole new pod... It's a blast, and it's been a blast thus oh far. My. So tell us about your blast at a whole new pod at gmail.com. Still waiting for anybody besides my brother to write in, uh, critiquing our audio quality, which yeah. Jacob. Hopefully it's a little bit better this time. Jacob just needs to talk a little bit louder. A little bit louder. A whole lot louder and a whole lot worse. We're also working on a setup where we might have two microphones. Right now, we just have one USB mic. So far, it's worked out pretty well for us, yeah. but we can upgrade a bit. As time goes on, uh, follow us on Twitter at a whole new pod. Jacob is supposed to be updating that better. Supposed to be. We'll, we'll get active there soon. And then rate us on iTunes. Most podcasts say only give us five stars. If you don't give us five stars, don't rate us. I'll tell you, you can rate us whatever you want. I just know deep down it'll have to be five stars. So I don't even need to tell you to do that. Darn tootin'. Uh, if you can rate us on the Google Play Store, go yeah, ahead and do download that. Download us, Spotify, yeah. all that. Yeah, jazz. follow us on Spotify. 
Tell your friends and family. That's what DCOMs are all about. It's about family. Family. And also about gross, slimy aliens shooting popcorn out of their butt. <laughs> yeah. And with that, we always put the fun stuff at the end. So you get through all the boring housekeeping stuff. And then you've yes. got to be, what is Jacob going to say for yes. us this week? What is he going to sign us out with? And I'm wondering the same thing. I will say, that's a wrap and we're going to put a can on that can of worms. I don't the think lid. that's a thing. The that lid? We're going to put a lid on that can of worms? I'm going to put a bullet in this <laughs> podcast.